This morning's scripture is found in Ezekiel chapter 47. I'm going to pray beforehand. Father, Lord, we come before your presence. We give you glory and honor, Lord. We thank you, Father, Lord, because from the throne you govern all things, Father God. We give you glory and honor this morning, Father, Lord. Let your word go out and do what it's meant to do, Father, Lord, which is to restore, to build, to edify, Father, Lord. I'm just a vessel, Father God. I pray that your word may land on, 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 on our hearts this morning in such a mighty way that we will see lives transformed in Jesus' name. And the church says, Amen. Ezekiel chapter 47. Verse 1 through 12. And I pray that you just uh, leave your scriptures open because uh, we're going to stay right there this morning. Ezekiel 47, 1, to, 1 through, uh, through 12 reads like this. The man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. And I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple towards the east. For the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside of the outer gate facing the east. And the water was trickling from the south side. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off thousand cubits and then led me through the waters, through the water that was ankle deep. He measured off a, another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through waters that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and it was deep enough to swim in. A river that no one could cross. Verse 6, he asked me, son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. And when I arrived there, I saw great numbers of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, this water flows towards the eastern region and goes down through the, into the Araba, where the, it enters the, sea, the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty waters become fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live whenever the river flows, wherever the river flows. There will be a large number of fish because of the water, because of the water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So wherever the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from Engedi and en Engleim. There will be places to spread their nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. But the swamps and the marshes will not come, will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on the banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because, because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. This morning we're going to be speaking under the title, the living waters rising. The living waters rising. As, as I was coming into the church this morning, it was pretty cold out there when we were, I was opening those gates. 
And what came to memory was last winter, uh, my wife and I stepped out and we forgot to leave the heat on. And the pipes froze. And when I came home, the basement was flooded. And I'm not a handy guy. All I know is how to pick up the phone and call the handyman, right? So I called one of our church's handymen, uh, our brother Morales. He usually sits up there on the balcony. And he came running, and he said, listen, you got to shut. I mean, the water was still flowing. He says, you got to shut the main valve off. You got to cut the main line off so I could be able to uh, uh, remove the broken pipe and put a new pipe. So when he was done with the job, he said, I fixed the pipe. There was no more leak. But he says, I put a valve there. The valve controls the main flow. He says, if there's another leak, you never have to shut the main valve off again. You just got to come to this valve and shut it off. The water will continue to always flow. But if you shut the valve off, it doesn't mean that the water is not flowing. What it means is that the valve is shut off and you have to turn it back on, you have to open it in order for the water to continue flowing. God's presence that dwells inside of us, it's like a, a valve that was permanently placed inside of us. When Jesus died and resurrected at the cross of Calvary, he says, I'm, you know, the beautiful part of the death, it wasn't just uh, him being tortured. The beauty of Calvary was resurrection. And when he resurrected, he says, I won't leave the church alone no more. But I'm going to deposit in every believer a valve. I'm going to deposit in every believer my presence. And the Holy Spirit descended from the throne of God and made his dwelling place inside of us. Sometimes, if we ain't experiencing God's presence, we got to check our valve. Is our valve open? Because if it's open, then we're moving in the direction that God wants us to move. But if it's closed, it doesn't mean that he's not there because he says, I will permanently dwell with my church. I will permanently dwell with all of those who proclaim the name of Jesus. So this morning, if you have Jesus as your Savior, that vow, the Holy Spirit, dwells inside of you. He has not left you. He will never leave you. He's there to stay until Jesus comes to lift up the church. How many can say amen for that? Well, what does God do with Ezekiel? The prophet Ezekiel is given this great vision. Now, let me tell you that during the times of this vision, the prophet was captive in ba uh, uh, Israel was captive to the Babylonians. The prophet Daniel and the prophet Ezekiel are contemporary. It means that while Daniel was prophesying in the palace, Ezekiel was prophesying in the outer banks in the city. And there, Ezekiel... Being in, this, uh, in the outer banks in the city, this great vision comes to Ezekiel. A vision of a new temple. And the Bible says that he entered into the temple and he saw this water that was flowing. 
Ezekiel, and I can picture Ezekiel. Ezekiel was clueless of what he was watching. Why do you say that? Because most of the prophets in the Old Testament, they had these great revelations of what was to come. But no one can explain it, but they were obedient enough to write it. There's no explanation for what Ezekiel is watching. Many scholars say that it's the millennium age when Christ comes to reign and the church reigns with Christ. Others say that this is a prophecy for the future, for the people of Israel. But others say that this prophecy is for this time. And as I was reading this word, it, it just ministered to me because I, I, I can resonate. This, this prophecy is for this time, and I'm going to show it to you. But he gives a prof, this prophet a vision of a river flowing from the temple. Now, vision, vision is, is often a misunderstood word. Vision for our purpose this morning, it's the understanding of God's preferred future. It's the understanding of God's preferred future. You are here today, the church is here today, because we are a part of God's preferred future. God's preferred future, it's a victorious church. God's preferred future is for your home to be a victorious home. God's preferred future for you is that you can walk and experience God's blessings, that you can know that he has called you. God's preferred future is great for your life and for the church as a whole. How many can say amen? amen. Alton Garrison, author of the Spirit and Power Church, says, It is the ability to see beyond our present reality, to create, to invent what does not yet exist and become what we are not yet are. It gives us the capacity to live out our imagination instead of our memory. Vision shows you where you're heading. God is showing Ezekiel this vision because he's saying, this is where we're heading, Ezekiel. You might not understand, but write it down. Because the future of the church it's a spirit-filled, empowered church. It's a church that has, uh, that's living in, vic in victory. It's a church that, that's manifesting the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's a church where you, we're going to see millions and thousands come in by the, by the minute, not because we want to fill a house but because God's preferred future has to do with people. And because his preferred future has to do with people, he's going to use the church to reach the people. So vision shows us where we're going. God is showing Ezekiel where the church is heading. Now, if you're in Babylon and you're captive, Ezekiel was going through a rough time. There was nothing to shout about. But it's in difficult times where God shows up. It's in difficult times where God shows us this is temporary. And that's what Ezekiel was seeing. Vision allows us to understand the direction where we're heading. It points towards God's preferred future. But it also allows us to understand the current times. 
The vision that Ezekiel saw was for the church today. It represents the greatest empowerment that the church has ever seen. It represents the greatest awakening that's to come to the church. It represents the gifts of the Holy Spirit awakening in such a powerful way. That's where we're heading, church. Well, why you say that? Well, look at how verse 2 says. Verse 2 says that he entered the temple and he saw the water trickling from the temple. You know where that water started? That water started in the upper room in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. When Jesus ascended, he says, I'm going to deposit in you my presence. And what happened in that well? What happened with the people? The Holy Spirit came and dwelled upon the people. The Holy Spirit de uh, descended upon the upper room. And the people started uh, jumping and speaking in tongues. And there was such an empowerment of the Holy Spirit in that moment that people started speaking in tongues and the Spirit of God was moving. And people were, these people must be drunk. And Peter says, they're not drunk. They are empowered. They're not, they're not drunk. They have been empowered with the Holy Spirit. This is what the prophet Joel spoke about. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your older men will dream dreams. We are now living in the last of the last of the last days, church. What Ezekiel is seeing is an empowerment that's about to take over the city. It's an empowerment that's about to take over the globe. That well was open at Pentecost. And people try to shut that well. The, uh, the Roman emperors try to close the well. The devil try to close the well. He says, if we could get Jesus to stop preaching, if we can get Jesus to stop teaching, well, let's crucify him. But when he, they crucified him, the empowerment fell upon the people. And they, as, guys, I get so excited about this because the more people try to shut the gospel, the more the enemy tries to hinder the gospel, the more the enemy tries to close the doors of the church and shut the mouth of the church, is the more it's going to open. The well was opened at Pentecost. They tried it, but they, they couldn't. The emperors tried to, to kill the apostles, and the more the apostles were murdered for their belief, the more the gospel spread. The more that the Roman government persecuted the church, the more the gospel spread. The more they tried to close the mouths of those that proclaimed the gospel, the more it kept being proclaimed. You can't shut the mouth of the gospel. You can't close the mouth of the church. It will never happen. And that's the enemy's agenda. But they can't stop it. Many were murdered in the Roman Colosseum for the gospel. Our first century Christians were, were tortured by the Romans in hope to shut their mouths of spreading the gospel. And guess what? The more they persecuted, the more Christians they killed, 
the more the gospel spread numerically, the more the gospel expanded geographically, the more the gospel became powerful. They couldn't stop it. But look what happens. It started at Pentecost. The river started at Pentecost. But look at what it says here. But the man leads the prophet into the river. Verse 3 says, the man went eastward into the river and he was measuring. It was like he was measuring close to a mile. And the more he walked in that river, the deeper the river became. The deeper the river got, it got more, more wide. It became more deep. You see, some of us are walking ankle deep right now. And God is saying, I don't want you there. You got to keep moving. You got to keep moving. You, your faith has to keep pushing. Your home has to keep pushing. You got to keep coming. Ankle deep is not enough. And the prophet was walking in. And it got to the point where he couldn't. He had to swim in the river. God's presence. He sees a river that's flowing. But it's flowing from the house of God. It's a deep river. You see, you can't stop. The man can't stop what flows from the throne of God. Oh my goodness. You see, why you thought they persecuted the church and they persecuted Jesus and they persecuted the apostles? Because they thought if we can murder them, we can stop them from spreading the gospel. But you can't stop what comes from God. You cannot stop what flows from the throne of God. This river signifies the greatest revival the church has ever seen. The enemy is going to try. Vision allows you to see the current times. The current times tell you that the enemy is trying to close the mouth of the church. If you look at the news, in our public libraries, they got drag queens telling our children stories. If you look at the news, the times around us are telling us that revival is upon the church. If you look at the news, the enemy has an agenda. But we come to tell him today that the spirit-empowered church will overcome that agenda. It's an awakening of the church. It's where the gifts of the church will flow like never before. Where the voice of the prophet will raise, will wake, awaken once again. Where the evangelist will, will awaken once again. Where the missionary will awaken once again. I mean, it's one thing to do, uh, to do the will of God, but it's another thing to do the will of, a God, uh, the will of God empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's one thing to do ministry and lead a church and, and work in, in departments. It's another thing to lead ministry or work in ministry, lead a church or work in departments, spirit-filled and empowered. We got too many people that want to lead just with book smart. We got too many people that, that they read a couple books and they think they understand. The spirit of God, it's what's leading the church. The greatest awakening, it's upon us. The throne of God and his presence, it's upon the church. 
the coming of Jesus is hovering over the church. And the things that we're going to see in these end times, they're going to bring fear to people. They're going to want to not speak the gospel. But I'm telling you now that the God that we serve is going to release a fresh anointing from the throne of God. You see, God says if people don't rise, I'm going to release my spirit from the, right from the very throne. That's what Ezekiel's seen. He's seen the Spirit of God flowing right from the throne. Some of us think that if we don't do it, no one else does it. If the church doesn't rise, God's released from the throne. If the church doesn't rise, the flow of the water is still being released. God's will will be done with the church. God's will will be done with the church. He's not coming back for a weak, frail church. He's coming back for a spirit-empowered church, a church that, that understands the times, a church that understands where we're heading. Ezekiel says, I see this, but I don't understand. And he wrote it down because pastors today, leaders today will read this and see, wait a minute, what Ezekiel saw wasn't for his time. It's for our time. It's a fresh flow from the throne of God. God for the church. He's going to awaken the gifts of the Spirit. And what comes, comes from the throne of God. That's what Ezekiel's seen. He's seen the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Not a new move. Not a new movement. An intensified movement. You know, sometimes... You know what in, intensify me? Aggressive. Strong. He saw the river. He says, okay, I'm walking. The river became deep, deep, deep. He couldn't walk through the river no more. It was strong. Have you ever tried to walk through a river? Those of us that, that maybe have come from, from the Caribbean, have you ever seen the Grand Canyon? It flows strong and powerful. That's the, the intensified move that the church is waiting on. And God is saying, my move is upon the church. Why? Because the times are changing. The enemy has an agenda. But my intensified anointing is going to flow through the church like never before. Oh, man. You know what? You have to believe it because if you carry the Bible and we profess to, to serve the Lord and we profess to be Christians, then we got to believe what the scripture says. And the scripture says that the king is upon us, that the coming is upon the church. Hallelujah. Then he asked in verse six, son of man, do you see this? He took him into the river. He allowed him to see the fresh flow coming out of the throne of God. If we don't open our valves, we become stale. If we don't open and stir up the Holy Spirit inside of us, we become stale and stagnant waters. And you know what happens to stale and stagnant waters after a time? You walk and there's bugs in them. You walk and sometimes they, they even, they're not pleasing. It's not fresh. 
And God is saying, I'm looking for fresh. I'm looking for the people to open up their valves. I'm looking for my church to stir up the Holy Spirit who resides inside of them. God says, I've given you the valve. you got to open it. you got to open it. And he says, do you see this? And then guess what happens? Because it's God's preferred future. Look what he says. He says, then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw great numbers of trees on the each side. I mean, this vision is so powerful that there's nothing but God's presence flowing and, and the trees are springing up. And everything that's dead is, is coming to life. That's what God's spirit does. That's what God's presence does. Everywhere where the gospel is preached, everywhere where God's presence is proclaimed, things come to life. I mean, Jesus is still the answer for the church. Jesus is still the answer for the drug addict. Jesus is still the answer for the prostitute. Jesus will always be the answer, church. You cannot stop the enemy's agenda with your own resources. And because you read a couple of books, you can stop it by being spirit-filled and empowered. If you don't open up the valve and stir up the gifts of God in you, then it just remains a closed valve. It doesn't mean that he's not there. Because his word says, I'm never going to leave you. But it's your job to open the valve and stir up the Holy Spirit that's inside of you. The waters enter the Dead Sea. And when it empties, the sea and salty water become fresh. That's why Jesus said, it is important for me to go through Samaria. Because there was a woman there that was used to digging up water. The Old Testament, you dug water out the well. But Jesus said, it is necessary for me to go through here because the gospel has never been through here. And when he reaches the well, he sees a woman that's drawing water. The city of Samaria, the towns in Samaria were dead. There was nothing fresh flowing through there. And Jesus is interested in going through where no one has gone through. Jesus is interested in flowing his water through the dead areas of your life. Jesus is interested in flowing the waters through the city where, where there's drugs and violence. He's interested in flowing those waters where no one else wants to go. So he says, well, uh, you know, the Jews and the Samaritans don't get along. But it's, it's important that I go to Samaria. And there at the well... He sees a woman that's drawing water and they have this conversation and he goes, uh, uh, do you know that the water I give 
flows like a well that springs forth eternal life. The water I give leads to, towards eternity. Uh, that's the water that's flowing. If you don't open up your valve, no water is going to flow. But God's still going to keep moving. God's purpose for the church is still going to come to pass because that water flows from the throne of God. And no hidden agenda, no government, no, no, no president, nobody's going to stop it. It will always flow. The enemy wants to stop it. But God is saying, revival's upon the church. Times are going to get difficult. Revival's upon the church. Sin is, sin is growing. My grace is going to grow even more. They trying to shut the gospel and bring an agenda. God says, I have my own agenda, and it's a spirit-empowered church. Hallelujah. And look what happens. Verse 10. Fishermen will stand along the shore from Engedi and Inglaim. There will, there will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. Well, George, what do you mean? Revival is upon the church. The spirit of God is flowing from the throne of God. You know how I came to the, to, to the Lord? I was in a street corner, and the river came through. <laughs> oh, my goodness. No one came to me and said, hey, Pastor George, uh, hey, could you come to church to me? There's an invitation for you. I was standing at the corner, and the river was passing by. And the river changed my life. You see, sometimes if the church doesn't go out and preach the gospel, the river is still flowing. And people are going to come through those doors without an invitation. People are going to come seeking something supernatural because the river is flowing. Because God's purpose is going to come to pass. He says, the fish were of many kinds. Have you ever, have you ever gone fishing? A fisherman, when he goes fishing, he puts the little worm on the hook. When, he, when the hook starts to pull the rope, he pulls in the fish. And sometimes the fish is not the fish we wanted. So we take the fish, take them off the hook, and throw him back in. Jesus is saying, my harvest is ready. Whether the church rises, it's our job to rise. Because he's given us the, the presence that's inside of us. Whether you obey or don't, the harvest is ready. He says, go out with the fishing pole, go out with the net, and cast it. When a fisherman comes and grabs the fish he doesn't want, he usually throws it back in the water and puts another worm on the hook, 
and throws the rope out again. Here it says that the fish will be of many kinds. You cannot go fishing and expect a certain type of fish. You cannot go fishing and just fish for certain types of fish. God is saying the gospel is not for certain types of people. The gospel is for all people. So when you go fishing, you fish for all people. You don't be judgmental of who you're fishing for. Oh my goodness. Sometimes we go fishing and we go, that person doesn't need Jesus. That person needs Jesus. Uh, are they Hispanic? They need Jesus. They Anglo, they might not need Jesus. He says, the river flowed, God's presence was flowing, and it was preparing the harvest. This is powerful, guys. Because the harvest, it's God's people. It's the lost. That's the harvest. The church does not belong to nobody. The church belongs to God. And the commandment of the church is go to fish for the harvest. So he says, if the church doesn't rise, there's a fresh anointing coming from the throne that flows through different places and it's going to draw in the fish. Oh my goodness. It's our job to go and cast the net. If you, if, you, if you lead any department, if you lead a church, if you, I mean, for everyone that's watching, it's your job to cast the net. It's your job to grab the fishing pole and say, Jesus still saves. <laughs> Jesus still restores. Jesus is interested in changing your life. But sometimes we grab the pole and we just want a certain type of fish. The gospel's for all people. Open the valve. Open the valve in your department. It's a challenge for some of us. Open the valve on what God's placed in your hands. Because if God's placed it in your hands, he's giving you the valve of the Holy Spirit to go with it. No one, God does not give something to, something to someone and does not give him the resources to succeed in what he has given him. He said, I've given, I've left the church. I've given you a certain job. Open the valve in that department and you're going to see the floodgates open. It's not our job to clean the fish. <laughs> Have you ever gone fishing and ate a dirty fish? Usually, when you go to a, a, a ship ship bay and over there and, and they have all the captains of the boats, you come back, you rent the boat, you go fishing. Then you come back with all these fish and the, the, the captain of the boat tells you, would you like us to clean the fish? And then he cleans them for you. You go home, you cook it, and you eat it. God's saying, I want you to fish, but it's not your job to clean the fish. 
sometimes we want a certain fish, then we want to clean the fish ourselves. We say, well, well, this person shouldn't be like this. And this person shouldn't do that. And this person is not doing what they're supposed to be. Listen, just fish for people and God will clean the fish. You cast the net, and I'm the one that, that cleans the fish, says the Lord. I'm the one that transforms the people. I'm the one that brings renewal and transformation. You know, if we can all grasp the concept that it's our job to all go and catch fish, some people will say, well, I'm here to help the pastor catch the fish. You're not here to help the pastor catch the fish. You are co-heirs to what God has given us here. You know what's a co-heir? Co-heir means that we are equal. We, me and you are equal. There's no hierarchy here. And God says, I'm going to cast the net. Cast the net, church. That's today's word. Cast the net in your department. Cast the net like never before. You know why? Because there are people that are hurting in our society. And we hold the truth. There are people that are committing suicides by the minute. There are people out there that are broken and hurting. And it's our job to go and cast the net. And God is saying, if you don't cast this net, I'm going to lift up people that will cast the net. Because the church belongs to me. And I'm coming back for a victorious church, a church that's spirit-filled and spirit-empowered. God is not coming back for just anybody. We are the bride of the king. We are his precious bride. It's not our job to clean the fish. It's God's job to clean it. It's our job to cast the net. Think of right now how many people you know that you never casted the net to. Don't be ashamed of the gospel because the gospel is power for salvation. That's what Paul said. Don't be ashamed to proclaim the good news because the good news is what changes and transforms people. How many people do you know right now that have no net, have no safety jacket? God is saying, cast the net. And look what's so beautiful about this passage. That God tells the man, come into the water. The water flows from within us because the Holy Spirit is inside of us. But the main source flows from the throne of God. He says, come into this water and open your valve so it can connect to what's already happening from God's throne. You open a valve... You stir up the Holy Spirit and it's going to connect with what God is already doing. No one is going to be able to stop what God is doing. If they come to me and say, Pastor George, you shouldn't talk like that. God is always going to be superior. 
His name is always going to be glorified. One day this all will pass and we will find ourselves with Jesus in the throne of God. I don't care what they tell me. They say, well, take his credentials away. He shouldn't preach the gospel because he's stirring up the waters. Well, I'm going to stir up the waters and I'm going to say that Jesus still saves, that he still heals. You know, you got to go against the current. But, who, but you don't go against the current alone. You go against the current with the one who has called you. With the one who has ordained your life. We, you know, there are already too many churches packed full of scholars and people that know so much theology. The throne of God is flowing fresh water. And in due time, there's going to be revival upon the church. I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of those waters. I don't want people to say, well, Pastor George never, never shared the gospel with anybody. No, I'm going to share the gospel with everyone. He will clean the fish. This morning, the church is being called to cast the net. I don't know what the future holds, but I know God's preferred future. Our future could be uncertain, but God's preferred future has to do with a victorious church, a spirit-filled church, and a people that have lived in victory, and a people that have never stopped proclaiming the gospel, a people that were never ashamed of the gospel, a people that continued and pressed on and pressed on until Jesus descended upon the church. Let's not be people pleasers. Let's please the one who has called us. I don't want to please nobody. I want to please the one who has called me, the one who has saved me. If you're looking to be pat in the back and be a people pleaser, this might not be for you. But God says, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon those who are ready to receive it. This morning, you might say, well, I don't feel no living waters, Pastor. The living water is there. You just got to stir them up. Invite the Holy Spirit. Let's stand up to our feet this morning, church. You know, the gospel was proclaimed by men and women with boldness, not fear, with boldness. This morning, the Lord, the Lord is saying, trust me for what I'm going to do in your life. Trust me for, for what I'm going to do in your home. And when you see that I'm working and I'm operating, don't forget to cast your net and tell others what I've done in your life. Father Lord, I was obedient to your word this morning, to what you've put in my heart, Father. Your church is the most precious thing to you, Lord. Revival's upon the church. Your coming is upon the church. You're coming to pick up a victorious people, Lord. A people that have not 
have not been ashamed of your gospel, Lord. Let the living waters flow in our lives. This morning as the worship team gets ready to worship, God has called you. He's saying, I have a plan for your life. I'm in control of this source. No one can stop the source that flows from the throne of God. I'm in control of your life. Father Lord, you have spoken this morning, Lord, and the altar is open. If anyone desires prayer, we're here to pray for you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this sermon. We pray it blesses and encourages your life.